Collaboration at its simplest is two parties working together for mutual benefit. But when that cooperation occurs in the context of an occupied nation, collaboration can take on a darker hue. History is full of the examples of the hatred that can be directed against individuals who choose to work with occupying powers against their own people. The best-known examples of this negative collaboration come from the Nazi occupation of Europe during World War II, when many persons worked with the Reich in governing their conquered nations. Some saw no other option and did their best to shield the local populations from the worst predations of the Nazi occupiers. Some became collaborators as a matter of survival. Many, however, saw the opportunity for personal gain or the chance to overthrow the existing order, and the abuses of these are often tales of horror. Roman imperial administration relied on recruiting local talent from newly integrated populations. The personal advantages to these collaborators could be extensive, from acquiring wealth to grants of citizenship. Working with Rome did have benefits for the newly conquered territory, including integration into the Roman trade network and monetary system. But when heavy Roman taxes were added to the indignity of the loss of national independence, the local tax collector became the hated symbol of forcible subservience to a foreign power. For the Jews, working with Rome carried the additional stigma of violating the Mosaic purity laws and incurring uncleanness by contact with Gentiles and working in the marketplace. Tax collectors were thus doubly marginal figures in Jewish society, both political and religious outsiders. We might wonder why Zacchaeus would have chosen to become a Roman collaborator and incur the accompanying social ostracism. Not only has he chosen it, he has evidently been zealous in his duties, as he has risen to the rank of chief tax collector. It seems plausible to me that those drawn to employment as hated agents of imperial Rome were those who were already marginal and therefore didn't have much to lose. It's likely they saw a chance to even the score and take revenge. Unfortunately, however, revenge doesn't heal one's own wounds and can't fill the void of insecurity. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth makes not for a healthy world, but one where everyone is toothless and blind. Zacchaeus seems to have some intuition about the futility of his situation. The taxes he levies on his fellow citizens have made him wealthy, but also hated and reviled. Whatever his origins, he has become more of an outcast, not less. The difficulty he has in seeing Jesus, Luke tells us, is because he is short in stature. But if Zacchaeus were really a man of consequence in Jericho, his height would be no impediment, as others would respectfully make way for him. Meeting this resistance from the crowd, does he return to the tax office to plot how to make them pay for this latest affront? No. He has heard about Jesus, about this teacher who eats with outcasts, the tax collectors and prostitutes, who heals lepers, unafraid of contact with the unclean. How well does Zacchaeus know his own motivations? We can only guess. What we do know 
is that he is not about to abandon his attempt to see Jesus. All the ridicule and revilement he has borne over the years are about to come to a climax. Climbing a tree is not a good PR move for Zacchaeus. Men of substance and dignity don't climb trees. That is children's play. The sight of the chief tax collector of Jericho roosting in a tree is too good an opportunity, opportunity for his enemies to pass up. Catcalls and taunts surely rose from the crowd. Hey, look, everybody! Money really does grow on trees! Jesus reaches the place and halts. What does Jesus see? We might recall that Jericho is only 23 miles from Jerusalem, the goal of Jesus' journey. When he arrives there, he will enter the holy city on the foal of an ass to shouts of acclamation. And less than a week after that, Jesus himself will be hanging from the tree of the cross, his enemies mocking and reviling him. If you are the Christ, come down. These two sets of taunts have a mysterious connection, as Jesus' next action demonstrates. And it is the answer to Zacchaeus' question, the revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus halts, seeing a man in search of salvation. Not an innocent man, not a good man, but his creature nonetheless, and therefore a man who needs to be saved. And he calls up, Zacchaeus, come down. Today, I must stay at your house. He offers Zacchaeus the reconciliation and communion for which he longs, and in so doing, he transfers all the resentment of the crowd to himself. As St. Paul will say of Christ, the reproaches with which they reproached you fell on me. In Jesus' gentle come down, he steps into Zacchaeus' isolation and brokenness and identifies with him, taking the insults to himself and eventually to the cross and the tomb where he will leave them. And childlike, Zacchaeus climbs down and enters the kingdom discovering himself as chosen by God. The worldly wealth and political power he pursued so ardently are no longer useful. The revilement he endured no longer needs to be revenged because it has prepared him for this meeting with the Savior. He divests himself of all his wealth, seeking to lay up treasure in heaven, for he has seen who Jesus is, the incarnate Word of God who will not spurn a broken and contrite heart, who has come to seek and save all our poor lost souls. Do you desire to be found? Zacchaeus' meeting with Jesus can be yours here in the Mass. We have been gathered here today to be reconciled to God and one another. Christ welcomes us all where we are, and we are all collaborators with sin in the world. We are all guilty of offenses against God and one another as we seek to manufacture our own salvation and escape our deepest fears. Despite that, we are all called to the Supper of the Lamb. Our Lord desires that today he might stay in your house, presenting himself under the form of bread that you may receive him into the earthy house of your body. We have come to Mass, but our ritual reply to his call captures the primacy of his coming to us. Lord, 
I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. We should often reflect on the way Christ welcomes us, because Jesus' forgiving welcome of Zacchaeus allowed Zacchaeus to extend that same liberating, forgiving welcome to others, seeking to show mercy and right the wrongs he had done. Set firm on the rock of Christ's same regard for me, how might I be more open to those whom I find offensive? How might I see with Christ's eyes to find the isolated and injured person within, rather than simply an opponent or an enemy to defeat? We might begin by giving witness to the salvation shown us, bearing with confident joy the tumults of our time, for our Lord is truly with us and has promised to remain with us until the end of the age.